0: Chapter 19 of The Dog Crusoe and His Master. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This reading by Alison Hester of Athens, Georgia. The Dog Crusoe and His Master by R.M. Ballantyne. Chapter 19. Adventures with the Pagans. Crusoe does good service as a discoverer. The savage is outwitted. The rescue. A run of twenty miles brought the travelers to a rugged defile in the mountains, from which they had a view of a beautiful valley of considerable extent. During the last two days, a steady thaw had been rapidly melting away the snow, so that it appeared only here and there in the landscape in dazzling patches. At the distance of about half a mile from where they halted to breed the horses before commencing the descent into this vale, several thin wreaths of smoke were seen rising above the trees, is that your camp inquired cameron riding up to the indian runners who stood in a group in front looking as fresh after their twenty miles run as though they had only had a short walk to this they answered in the affirmative adding that there were about two hundred pagans there It might have been thought that thirty men would have hesitated to venture to attack so large a number as two hundred, but it had always been found in the experience of Indian life that a few resolute white men well armed were more than a match for ten times their number of Indians, and this arose not so much from the superior strength or agility of the whites over their red foes as from that bulldog courage and utter recklessness of their lives in combat. Qualities which the crafty savage can neither imitate or understand. The information was received with perfect indifference by most of the trappers, with contemptuous laughter by some, for a large number of Cameron's men were wild, evil disposed fellows who would have as gladly taken the life of an Indian as a buffalo. Just as the word was given to resume the march, Dick Varley rode up to Cameron and said in a somewhat anxious tone, D'ye observe, sir, that one of the redskins has gone off ahead of his comrades? I see that, Master Dick, and it was a mistake of mine not to have stopped him. But he was gone too far before I observed it, and I thought it better to appear unconcerned. We must push on, though, and give him as short time as possible to talk with his comrades in the camp. The trappers pressed forward accordingly at a gallop and were soon in front of the clump of trees amongst which the pagans were encamped their approach had evidently spread great alarm among them for there was a good deal of bustle and running to and fro but by the time the trappers had dismounted and advanced in a body on foot the savages had resumed their usual quiet dignity of appearance and were seated calmly round their fires with their bows and arrows beside them there were no tents, no women or children, and the general aspect of the men showed Cameron conclusively that his surmise about there being a war party was correct. A council was immediately called. The trappers ranged themselves on one side of the council fire and the Indians on the other. Meanwhile, our friend Crusoe had been displaying considerable irritability against the Indians and he would certainly have attacked the whole two hundred single-handed if he had not been ordered by his master to lie still. But never in his life before had Crusoe obeyed with such a bad grace. He bristled and whined in a low, tremulous voice and looked imploringly at Dick as if for permission to fly at them. "'The pale-faced traders are glad to meet with the pagans,' began Cameron, who determined to make no allusion to his knowledge that they were a war party." "'for they wish to be friends with all the children of the woods and prairies. "'They wish to trade with them, to exchange blankets and guns and beads, "'and other goods which the pagans require, "'for furs of animals which the pale-faces require.' "'Ho, ho!' exclaimed the Indians, "'which expression might be translated as, "hear, here.' "'But,' continued Cameron, "'We wish to have no war. "'We wish to see the hatchet buried "'and to see all the red men and the white men "'smoking the pipe of peace and hunting like brothers. "'The ho-hoing at this was very emphatic. "'Now,' resumed the trader, "'the pagans have got two prisoners, two pale faces in their camp, "'and, as we cannot be on good terms "'while our brothers are detained, "'we have come to ask for them.' and to present some gifts to the pagans to this there was no ho at all but a prolonged silence which was at length interrupted by a tall chief stepping forward to address the trappers what the pale-faced chief has said is good began the indian his words are wise and his heart is not double the red men are willing to smoke the pipe of peace and to hunt with the men as brothers but they cannot do it while many of their scalps are hanging in the lodges of their enemies and fringing the robes of the warriors. The pagans must have vengeance, and then they will make peace. After a short pause, he continued, The chief is wrong when he says there are pale faces in the pagan camp. The pagans are not at war with the pale faces, neither have they seen any on their march. The camp is open. Let the pale faces look around and see that what we say is true the chief waved his hand towards his warriors as he concluded as if to say search amongst them there are no pale faces there cameron now spoke to dick in a low tone they speak confidently he said and i fear greatly that your poor comrades have either been killed or conveyed away from the camp and hidden among the mountains in which case even though they should not be far off it would be next to impossible to find them especially when such a band of rascals is near compelling us to keep together but i'll try what a little tempting them with goods will do at any rate we shan't give in without a scuffle it now for the first time flashed across dick varley that there was something more than he imagined in crusoe's restless anxiety which had not in the least abated and the idea of making use of him now occurred in his mind i've a notion that i'll settle this matter in a shorter time than you think he said hurriedly if you'll agree to try what threatening will do the traitor looked grave and undecided i never resort to that except as a last hope he answered but i've a good deal of confidence in your prudence what would you advise Dick and the trader whispered for a few moments together, while some of the men, in order to show the Indians how perfectly unconcerned they were and how ready for anything, took out their pipes and began to smoke. Both parties were seated on the ground, and during this interval the Indians also held eager discussion. At length, Cameron stood up and said to his men in a quiet voice, Be ready, lads, for instant action. When I give the word up, Spring to your feet and cock your guns, but don't fire a shot till you get the word. He then stepped forward and said, The pagan warriors are double-tongued. They know they have hid the pale face prisoners. We do not wish to quarrel, but if they are not delivered up at once, the pale-faces and the pagans will not be friends. Upon this, the Indian chief again stood forward and said, the pagans are not double-toned. They have not seen the pale faces till today. They can say no more. Without moving hand or foot, Cameron said in a firm tone, the first pagan that moves shall die. Up, lads and ready. In the twinkling of an eye, the trappers sprang to their feet and cocking their rifles stood perfectly motionless scowling at the savages who were completely taken by surprise at the unusual suddenness and informality of such a declaration of war not a man moved for unlike white men they seldom risked their lives in open fight and as they looked at the formidable row of muzzles that waited but a word to send instant death into their midst they felt that discretion was at that time the better part of valour. "'Now,' said Cameron, while Dick Varley and Crusoe stepped up beside him, "'my young warrior will search for the pale face prisoners. "'If they are found, we will take them and go away. "'If they are not found, we will ask the pagans to forgive us, "'and we will give them gifts. "'But in the meantime, if a pagan moves from the spot where he sits or lifts a bow, "'my young men shall fire, and the pagans shall know that the rifle of the pale-face always kills.'" "'Without waiting for an answer, Dick immediately said, "'Seek em out, pup!' and Crusoe bounded away. "'For a few minutes he sprang hither and thither through the camp, "'quite regardless of the Indians, and snuffed the air several times, "'whining in an excited tone as if to relieve his feelings. "'Then he put his nose to the ground and ran straight forward into the woods. "'Dick immediately bounded after him like a deer.' while the trappers kept silent guard over the savages for some time crusoe ran straight forward then he came to a spot where there was a good deal of drifted snow on the ground here he seemed to lose the trail for a little and ran about in all directions whining in a most piteous tone seek em out pup repeated dick encouragingly while his own breast heaved with excitement and expectation in a few seconds the dog resumed his onward course and led the way into a wild dark spot which was so overshadowed by trees and precipitous cliffs that the light of the sun scarce found entrance there were many huge masses of rock scattered over the ground which had fallen from the cliffs behind one of these lay a mound of dried leaves toward which crusoe darted and commenced scraping violently "'Trembling with dread that he should find this "'to be the grave of his murdered companions, "'Dick rushed forward and hastily cleared away the leaves. "'The first handful thrown off "'revealed part of the figure of a man. "'Dick's heart beat audibly "'as he cleared the leaves from the face "'and he uttered a suppressed cry "'on beholding the well-known features of Joe Blunt. "'But they were not those of a dead man. "'Joe's eyes met his with a scowl of anger.' which instantly gave place to one of intense surprise. "'Joe Blunt!' exclaimed Dick in a voice of intense amazement, while Crusoe sniffed round the heap of leaves and whined with excitement. But Joe did not move, neither did he speak a word in reply, for the very good reasons that his mouth was tightly bound with a band of leather, his hands and feet were tied, and his whole body was secured in a rigid immovable position by being bound to a pole of about his own length.' In a moment, Dick's knife was out, bands and cords were severed, and Joe Blunt was free. "'Thank God!' exclaimed Joe with a deep, earnest sigh the instant his lips were loosened.
1: "'And thanks
0: to you, lad,' he added, endeavoring to rise, but his limbs had become so benumbed in the consequence of the cords by which they had been compressed that for some time he could not move. I'll rub ye, Joe. I'll soon rub ye into a right state, said Dick going down on his knees.
1: No, no, lad.
0: Look sharp and dig up Henry. He's just beside me here. Dick immediately rose and pushing aside the heap of leaves found Henry securely bound in the same fashion, but he could scarce refrain from laughing at the expression of that worthy's face. Hearing the voices of Joe and Dick Varley in conversation, Though unable to see their persons, he was filled with such unbounded amazement that his eyes, when uncovered, were found to be at their largest possible stretch. And as for the eyebrows, they were gone, utterly lost among the roots of his voluminous hair. "'Henry, friend, I knew I should find ye,' said Dick, cutting the thongs that bound him get up if ye can we haven't much time to lose and mayhap we'll have to fight afore we're done with the redskins can ye rise henry could do nothing but lie on his back and gasped eh possible mon frere oh non 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 possible oui my brother dick here he attempted to rise but being unable fell back again and the whole thing came so suddenly and made so deep an impression on his impulsive mind that he incontinently burst into tears then he burst into a long laugh suddenly he paused and scrambling up to a sitting posture looked earnestly into dick's face through his tearful eyes oh none none he exclaimed stretching himself out at full length again and closing his eyes It are too good to be true. I am dream. I will wait till I am awake. Dick roused him out of this resolute sleep, however, somewhat roughly. Meanwhile, Joe had rubbed and kicked himself into a state of animation, exclaiming that he felt as if he was walking on a thousand needles and pins, and in a few minutes they were ready to accompany their overjoyed deliverer back to the pegan camp crusoe testified his delight in various elephantine gambols around the persons of his old friends who were not slow to acknowledge his services they haven't treated us overly well remarked joe blunt as they strode through the underwood non dey rascal, verdament dey am vellins hui how dey have talk too bout oo oo wah roasting us live and puttin our scalp in de vigvam for a purpose to play wid well never mind henry we'll be quits wid em now said joe as they came in sight of the two bands who remained in precisely the same position in which they had been left except that one or two of the more reckless of the trappers had lit their pipes and taken to smoking, without, however, laying down their rifles or taking their eyes off the savages. A loud cheer greeted the arrival of the prisoners, and looks of considerable discomfort began to be evinced by the Indians. "'Glad to see you, friends,' said Cameron as they came up. "We is happy of the same,' "'replied Henry, swaggering up in the joviality of his heart "'and seizing the traitor's hand in his own enormous fist. "'Shall we go to York and slay them all at once, or one at a time?' "'We'll consider that afterwards, lad. "'Meantime, go you to the rear and get a weapon of some sort.' Hui! he cried, going with an immense flounder "'into the midst of the amused trappers "'and slapping those next to him on the back.' "'Give me weapon. Do mess a me. Gun, pistol, anything. Cannon, if you have one.' Meanwhile, Cameron and Joe spoke together for a few moments. "'You had goods with you. In horses, I believe, when you were captured,' said the former. "'Aye, that we had. Yonder stand the horses under the pine tree, along with the rest of the redskin troop. And a hard time they've had ot, as their bones may tell without speaking.' as for the goods he continued glancing round the camp i don't know where ah yes there they be in the old pack i see all safe cameron now addressed the indians the pagans he said have not done well their hearts have not been true to the pale faces even now i could take your scalps where you sit but white men do not like war they do not like revenge the pagans may go free considering the fewness of their numbers this was bold language to use toward the indians but the boldest is generally the best policy on such occasions moreover cameron felt that being armed with rifles while the indians had only bow and arrows the trappers had a great advantage over them the indian who had spoken before now rose and said he was sorry there should be any cause of difference between them and added he was sorry for a great many more things besides but he did not say he was sorry for having told a lie but before you go you must deliver up the horses and goods belonging to these men said cameron pointing to joe and henry this was agreed to the horses were led out The two little packs containing Joe's goods were strapped upon them, and then the trappers turned to depart. The Indians did not move until they had mounted. Then they rose and advanced in a body to the edge of the wood to see the pale faces go away. Meanwhile, Joe spoke a few words to Cameron, and the men were ordered to halt, while the former dismounted and led his horse towards the band of savages. "'Piggins,' he said, "'you know the object for which I came into this country.' was to make peace between you and the pale faces. I have often told you so when you would not listen, and when you told me that I had a double heart and told lies. You were wrong when you said this, but I do not wonder, for you live among nations who do not fear God and who think it right to lie. I now repeat to you what I said before. It would be good for the red men if they would make peace with the pale faces, and if they would make peace with each other. "'I will now convince you that I am an honest "'and have all along been speaking the truth.' "'Hereupon, Joe Blunt opened his bundle of goods "'and presented fully one half of the gaudy and brilliant contents "'to the astonished Indians, "'who seemed quite taken aback with such generous treatment. "'The result of this was that the two parties separated "'with mutual expressions of esteem and goodwill. "'The Indians then returned to the forest,' and the white men galloped back to their camp among the hills. End of chapter 19